Welcome into DNVR Buffs post game presented by Colorado Rugby. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I've got Ben here with me, Ben Girding. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about what just happened in that game that the Buffs played against Utah. If you missed it, consider yourself lucky, I guess. Uh, what was the fun? Was the final 77 74? Because I missed it. Yeah. Okay. So 77 74. The Buffs were up 19 with eight and a half minutes to play gave up a 30 31 to nine run i think was how the game ended and yeah that's uh what happened and we're just gonna jump into our biggest takeaways ben you go first what is your biggest takeaway from that game yeah you know i mean we talked on our you know preview show um i think it was thursday or friday about what, what is it going to take for Utah to beat Colorado? And one of the names we talked about was Alfonso Plummer. You know, he is a guy that at halftime they said Alfonso Plummer has zero points in the first half. And I'm sitting here shaking in my boots because that is the worst thing you could say because that almost guarantees he's going to go off. I mean, quite frankly, that 19-point deficit was erased. I give probably 95% of the credit to Alfonso Plummer. He hit big time momentum swinging shots. Colorado did not know how to defend him. They didn't know what to do to shut him down. And then in turn, they, they just lost confidence. By the time they gave up the four point play to Alfonso Plummer, that gave Utah the, the, the lead. It was over. I mean, they just had no gas left in the tank because that's even, you know, e even with McKinley Wright hitting a big time three to tie it up. Yeah. His body language was just even not – it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same confidence. It wasn't the same swagger. They really just – I mean, they, they blew this game. And whether or not this means they're not going to get a bye in the first-round tournament, I, I, I think it's too early to tell. I still think they're a good basketball team. But this one hurts, absolutely. Only way really to say it. This one really kills. It was brutal. It was, it was really, really terrible to sit through – that run because because to be honest like i was thinking as we were approaching like that 10 minute mark i think i'd send out like a couple of tweets and i was like okay time to just relax the, sure it's not over by any means but you know you just let this clock keep running keep doing the thing they're gonna be fine and this will be like a nice relaxing win um and i was even thinking like oh i thought this is what was going to happen with the washington state game not this weekend but the the one before that um just thinking, you know, we should be able to sit here and watch this team win. Like, like what happened in the Washington State game, they came back a little bit. I think they cut it to like six maybe was the closest it got, and then the Buffs pulled back away. And today they weren't able to 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 pull away the way that they did. They didn't rebound. And um, I think that when I watch that, you know, it's not even just like, this sucks watching what happened against Utah. You you realize maybe we did give them a little bit too much credit, or, or I did personally. You know, when when we were talking about that game, I said, you know, it's important to be able to keep that arm's length, which they did. That I, that may have been a fluke last time. At this point, like this is the kind of loss that makes you rethink some things, and. Again, like more than anything, it just sucks. And and we'll get into like the, the big picture ramifications, all that kind of stuff in a second. 
but to me, you know, there's there's the Alfonso Plummer thing. He's going off. He at one point I think had 13 points in five and a half minutes, and that's not a recipe for winning a basketball game. Uh, and and one of the things that Ken just said uh, in his post game press conference, I caught a couple of minutes before we jumped on here, was that part of the problem was he was just getting open in transition. Like they, they weren't finding him in transition. And that's a lot tougher way to have to defend uh, a shooter than just within a structured defense. And on top of what Utah needed to do themselves offensively to create that run and come back and win that game, they needed the buffs to make mistakes on the other end. Because, because it was missed layups from Evan, missed layups from Kin, um, both of which I believe on the other end turned into buckets, um, which again, missing shots is how you wind up giving transition looks to the other team. And really to, to blow a game like that, I mean, 31-9 in the last eight and a half minutes, it doesn't take a scientist to say, you need to be bad on offense and defense for that to happen. But it does like, I just keep going back and thinking if Ken just makes that layup, if, if Evan just makes that layup, does that, does that stop this whole thing from spiraling? And, and we're sitting here having a totally different conversation. Yeah. I mean, for me, there are three plays that I look at that ultimately did, did put this dagger, uh, you know, McK- Maddox Daniels missing the four point play. That would have been huge. Mm-hmm. McKinley Wright and Evan Batty, both those missed layups, at least would have given them a chance to stop the bleeding. Cause you're right. Those turn into four or five point swings. And that that's just so tough to do when you're already bleeding, you know, Alonzo Plummer hit a, a big time vein, you know, and Colorado could not just get a bandaid to, to pause it, you know, and Tad Boyle, you know, used so many of his timeouts early on too, because it was like, that was his way to say, Oh, what do we do? You know, I, I, I don't know that there was a, a coaching change, a coaching decision that would have, that, that I directly point to. It was just an onslaught of just disaster. I mean, you know, I've always wanted to be the, the positive guy who who's going to sit here and, and try and look for the silver lining after a game like today, there really is just nothing great to say. It's just a bad loss and it's really going to taint the week. And, you know, where they go from here, because they have a tough stretch now against the um, a, a tough stretch against these Arizona schools. Mm-hmm. And then and then another home game against Oregon State and they're on the road playing Stanford and Cal just picked up a, a good win. Um, and then you got Oregon like it's it's a it's tough. And the Buffs have put themselves in. I mean, not a bad position by any means. You know, at the end of the day, they're still sitting here fifth in the conference at seven and four. They have wins over three of the four teams in front of them and one loss among all of those teams. The Buffs are in a good place. That is still true. Boy, does it suck to be in this place compared to where they could have been right now, which is eight and three sitting way, way up high in these standings and you know again this is just the way that we break these things up when we talk about it it's the same thing that tad will talk about when he talks about it you know you you look at you look at the trips are you on the road or are you at home are, are you trying to go at washington play washington washington state well in that trip you need to win half those games 
when you're at home, you really need to win all the games. But when we look at this homestand, a homestand we've talked a lot about on the DMVR Buffs podcast, you guys should listen to it. But we've talked a lot about what is on the way and how you need to take care of business early to give yourself some flexibility so it isn't the end of the world if you lose to one of those teams we just mentioned. But but as we sit here now, I mean, they need to beat Arizona State and Arizona. And I, I think that that's just where we are. If, if they want to be a team that gets a buy in this tournament. Yeah, they, their margin for error now, is, or excuse me, margin for error is, is now zero. They, my confidence in this team as a roster do, does not really waver. You know, I just, at this point, it doesn't waver. The problem is, is, is how you bounce back from adversity. Adversity really shapes players and shapes character and shows a lot about the true depth of this team. So moving forward, how they are going to stack up and rebound is going to be really important because you saw last year that that loss against UCLA at home in late February broke this team and they went on a, a tremendous skid. And, you know, right now we're sitting, the next time they play is going to be February. This is crunch time. And we haven't even gotten to address the point, you know, Justin and I on our college basketball podcast have talked about it a little bit. You and I haven't had the chance to yet. Conference tournaments are not a guarantee. There is a lot of buzz this year that it might be a moot point to play a conference tournament because the way the NCAA tournament is set up, they don't have a, a real big gap in time. It's the same timeline, really. It's a week turnaround. That's not going to be a, a whole lot of time if anybody gets you know tested positive for COVID. So there are a lot of teams. You look at a team like Gonzaga. Does winning the you know the West Coast Conference really matter for them, or are they just going to sit that one out? And if your best team is sitting out, what is the point in playing? So yeah. that's a whole other conversation. But that the fact of that matter is is first round buy might be out the window as a conversation point. We really just need to be talking about seed lines. And this is going to be one of those losses that does drop you down a seed, not just in the Kempom, not just in the net rankings. We're looking outside of the basketball analytics because when the selection committee sits down in a room and they look at these losses, you know, the loss to Washington, you could easily write that up as a fluke considering how well the Buffs have shot from three in their in the, the last three games after. But – you cannot write up a 19-point deficit blowout. Get, you know, giving that up it is not a fluke. It is just a, a lapse in mental character, error, error and character. You know, there's just so many things I want to say. My mind is running. This is just it hurts. It, it's it's a stinger for sure. It really does. And it's not even just a 19-point deficit. Like that having having a 19-point lead is huge at any point in the game. But to have a 19-point lead with eight and a half minutes left? Oh, that, that. I mean, it's it's going to put that team in a tough place. Like, not, not just, like, in terms of the standings, which we talked about, but also, like, just being able to play basketball together. And, like, what conversations are being had in that locker room? What does Tad say to this team? What does Kin say to this team? What does practice look like tomorrow i assume they're gonna have to practice tomorrow after this like the change in schedule actually i think it's mandated they can't but it's um like you said adversity and last year when adversity hit it, it things spiraled it was kind of like watching the end of this game where you're looking and you think okay the buffs are in such good position right now that they couldn't disappoint 
you know, they've already tied the record for wins in a season. Like anything that happens in this last like two, three weeks of the regular season, whatever, it, it can't ruin it. And then you watch them lose every game the way they lost every game and then get blown out by Washington State, who, I mean, they had hot shooters of their own. And whenever you have hot shooters, you're going to have a good chance to win a game. But to watch that whole run and now to see this loss, you know, it it, it does throw just a little bit of doubt into my mind. You know, this last time we saw this, this team in this situation, they didn't really respond the way that they needed to. Yeah. And and at this point, again, it, it just it, it's so tough because you've got some days off now and it's just going to fester. You know, it's not like this happened on a Thursday night. You can come back on Saturday and maybe prove it. You know, you got more days in between and you've got days in between now where you've got to play some decent teams. Arizona state, they're not a good team, but, or at least they're, they're on paper. They're not playing well in the conference, but you have guys on Arizona state, like Remy Martin, for example, that can get hot in a hurry. And we saw how bad that is with, with Alfonso Plummer. And then you play Arizona who, Arizona's playing with house money right now. They have absolutely no skin in the game in the conference, in the NCAA tournament, and yet they're still playing fantastic basketball. They very well could be maybe the best or second-best team in this conference by the end of February. But it doesn't matter because they're not going to be around. But the point is there is going to be just tough games in this stretch, and how they're able to bounce back from that is going to be important. And the problem is, is we just haven't seen them do it with this team before because they haven't faced this kind of adversity. You know, even the loss against Tennessee, which was a terrible loss, awful offensive performance, yet they still had chances to win that game and couldn't pull through, didn't seem to matter as much. Same with Arizona. You know, Arizona was another game where they just destroyed themselves in the second half. And yet it still wasn't as bad because they were able to bounce back and beat USC. So this week is just maybe the most important week of McKinley Wright's career because this is his shot. And last year when it happened, he could not help guide this team back into it. Now is your chance, you know, because the writing's on the wall. McKinley Wright, he's all but done in Boulder after this season. You know, he's got nothing left to prove. But the one thing he can prove is this week, get this team right and and get out there and win some mental games, you know, and, and just show that you, as the Colorado Buffaloes, do belong in the NCAA tournament, in the conversation of some of the best teams in the country, because talent-wise they do, but these are the type of losses that are really going to make people scratch their head. Yeah, you brought up the Arizona loss and the Tennessee loss. I totally agree. Those don't sting anywhere close to how this loss does. The Washington loss doesn't either, because like those other two losses, on the road, and, and something we know, I mean, something we know about college basketball in general, the Pac-12 conference in particular, the Buffs, the Tad Boyle era, all these different things all point to bad things are going to happen on the road. At, at some point, you're going to to have a loss on the road that you do not like, and that was that. You know, you, you lost a tight game to Washington. Things broke the wrong way. You missed a whole bunch of shots that statistically are unlikely to be that bad shooting again. Plus, it's your first bad loss. It's it's when you get this loss at home, only, I mean, just a couple games after that loss, that, again, like, this does change the perspective. You know, when you're in the early season and you see a loss to Tennessee, you say, okay, it's Tennessee, they're really good at basketball. That is just a thing that happens, doesn't change anything. 
Arizona, you're on the road at Arizona, never won there. You're probably going to lose that game because that's a good team too. That's fine. Washington, you explain it away, but say, don't like it. But it's the third loss of the season. How bad could it be? But then this is the one that makes you say, okay, this Washington loss works worse. This is no longer a team that you can say, ah, ball bounces a little differently. They're right there with, with a UCLA, with a USC, with an Oregon. You know, as it stands now, I, th- I think that this is a loss that provides some separation, not just in the Pac-12 race, but in terms of how we have to uh, evaluate those teams ourselves in terms of just like how good they are. And, and to me, Colorado, and it's a slim margin. It is a tight race, but they are behind UCLA and USC and Oregon and Stanford. And there's still a whole lot to like about this team and reason to think that they'll be good. You know, I early in this game was thinking back to our conversation earlier this week when I asked you, you know, are you a bit worried about this Buffs team in the tournament? Is this like a veteran team that's just like good, plays to its strengths, plays good, clean basketball, but maybe doesn't have like the the upside, the ability to just catch fire and and make a run in the tournament? Watching the game today for for 30 minutes, I thought, oh, this this team is a threat in the tournament. I mean, it's one of the best shooting teams in the Pac-12. It's a, a team that has veterans everywhere. It's a team that plays really good defense. And that means that if you do get hot shooting, which isn't a surprise, you should be able to make a run. After watching him fall apart, though, oh boy, is it hard to be as excited about this team as I was a few hours ago. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I want to switch gears real quick because there's an interesting okay. comment in the chat that I would I'd like to bring up and talk about because I personally I think this is a bad take, but I'm curious for yours. News one one zero five eight nine says if they were in a real conference, they'd be wiped. For me. I I think this is just, I think this is an overreaction comment because first and foremost, you know, what do you constitute as a real conference? I think you look at the big 10, the big 12, even those conferences, I do still think Colorado stacks up as a five or six team right where they are in the pac 12. And those conferences are better. You know, the big 10 is probably going to put 10 teams in the tournament. The big 12 is probably looking at six or seven. Then you look at other big quote unquote real conferences in college basketball. You look at maybe the big East. Colorado would be the third best team in the Big East behind Villanova and Creighton, hands down easily. Um, you know, what other teams are you looking at? The ACC this year, another real basketball conference, they are a, a clown car of, uh, you know, inconsistency. Their only real team that's been somewhat consistent over the last stretch has been Virginia. So, and, and then I guess, you know, the SEC and the SEC, Alabama's got a four-game lead, and that's pretty much it from that conference. So, I understand the the take maybe long-term of maybe saying, you know, the Buffs are, are playing in the Pac-12, so maybe over the course of Tad Boyle's career, maybe you look at the last couple years with McKinley Wright, they might have looked better. But this year in particular, this team still is a top-five team in every major college basketball conference, and that is only top-five in the best ones like the Big Ten and the Big 12. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um I feel like that pretty much summed it up, honestly. I I would add that I think that the Pac-12 may come with some challenges of its own. Um, you know, that you do travel quite a ways. I mean, for some reason, road teams in the Pac-12 struggle, it seems like, a lot more than in other conferences. And I don't have any numbers or evidence or anything to back that up, except that that feels to be what I have seen. 
And I do think that that plays a factor more in the Washington loss than this one. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah. And, and again, that's awesome. not to that's not to discredit how bad of a loss this is. But another question that just kind of came up to me that I want to ask you is. Would this change your perspective if the roles were reversed as far as which venue it was? So let's say Colorado blew the 19-point lead in Utah, but then had a sloppy win against Utah at home today. You know, does that change? Is it is it just the timing of it? Is it like, oh, it's crunch time now, it's almost February, and they blew this game? Does that, you think, alter some of the perception? I do. Um, I think that that's definitely a piece of it. And I think the 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 reason I'm so sure is that going to Utah and beating Utah isn't a good win. You know, nobody nobody looks at that and says, oh, wow, that's impressive. It's not like last year when the Buffs went into Oregon and beat Oregon, and you're like, okay, this team is on to something. And because you don't get any credit for that win, but you definitely take a big hit for losing that game at home, I think that that definitely would be much better if things were reversed. You can explain away any road loss, any road conference loss um, in the Pac-12 if, you know, you have a little bit of evidence, but, but yeah, I, I think that it, that's definitely a good point. Yeah. So, you know, in, and we don't really have too many necessarily constructive comments in here, but firefighter buff also checking in saying buffs win this game with fans there. But I guess we would have lost one on the road with the same lodge. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's, I think that's a, a fair estimate. I think the fans would have impacted the officiating because, and again, when you blow a 19 point deficit, I am not going to sit here and blame the refs. But the fact that the bus only went to the free throw line six times is of note in a three-point loss. They were not getting the right side of the whistle for pretty much the entire game. And that is big because McKinley Wright and Deshaun Schwartz both had a couple of different shots that I remember that should have put them to the line. And again, that matters when you lose this close game. That doesn't excuse the fact that they let Utah come storming back, but this postgame show would have been a lot different if Colorado won 78-77 because of free throws, even though they gave up that deficit. So it does just change the perception a bit, but that is a great point by Firefighter Buff on the, on the fans. Yeah, and uh, I agree. And I, I was thinking during the game that maybe this Buffs team is a little bit too reliant on free throws and that it's it's certainly good to be making all of your free throws, but that has been a very significant portion of the Buffs scoring. And... It, it means that you are reliant on the refs. Yep. It's it, And every team is going to be reliant on the refs in, in, to some degree, but I think that they have a little bit of an extra impact on the buffs just because what they want to do is, first of all, bully you with Evan Batty, and a bad ref can make some bad calls when it comes to Evan Batty. And on top of that, you want Kin driving and getting fouled. And and I do think that a lot of what the Buffs do is being physical and saying the only way you can stop us from being physical and winning is by fouling us. And if those fouls aren't called, you're going to really, really struggle. Um, Again, you can't use that as an excuse, though. And more than anything, it feels like a, a potential like fatal flaw. You know, when it comes down to it, wherever the buffs are, whether it's in the Pac-12 tournament, the NCAA tournament, the the this whole season could end with Colorado just not getting enough whistles and everybody going home and saying, wow, what a terrible way to go out. And, you know, I think that for Colorado, it's even more on the board. Yep. You know, and it – Again, I mean, we can talk about a lot of things. I think defense in this game was the, the 
you know, the, the, the straw that, that, or not the straw, you know, what's the phrase? Something that broke the camel's back or I, I, something. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, they have to like, the reason they say that is because you get like a bundle of straw and I think you like feed it to animals. And so it's like the one right? actual piece that the horse is carrying. Well, yeah, because it's not like a big bundle of like drinking straws, because that would be <laughs> that would be that crazy. Would be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, because Colorado's offense in this game, I mean, the three point percent, the three point shots were falling. The team was really moving the ball well on offense. But you just come back to the defensive adjustment, which is which is why this game was so concerning for me. And that's because when you lose to Washington and you shoot one for 18 from, from the three, that is one of those times where you say, you know what? Like that's just, that just sucks, but you only lost by four. But even in that game, they gave up 84 points to not a great Huskies team. Again, 77 to Utah. That's where I would understand the Tad Boyle criticism. I don't want to hear the, I don't want to hear the points of you know, Tad is never going to finish in the top four. He's a bad coach, the same old year, you know, because that's just not true. Because I, I I don't think that that's constructive, and I I don't think that's accurate. Tad Boyle is a fantastic coach. He's bringing in great recruiting classes. But what I will say is, Tad Boyle prides himself on his defensive teams. And when you see a 19 point deficit erased because you could not play good defense, that is where I will hear and absolutely agree with Tad Boyle criticism because that is inexcusable. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. Um, we're going to play the blame game, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I have a theory that I am very excited about. Um, before we do that, I tricked out Ben, who's producing the show. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break. Um, and I'm going to tell you about some of our good friends. And while I do that, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you click that like button. Make sure you subscribe because that really helps not just me and Ben, but everybody at DMVR. Okay. First of all, I want to tell everybody about Hassle Cattle Company, which produces some of the best Wagyu beef that you will find anywhere. Um, they call it the blue collar Wagyu because it's affordable and basically anybody can find a way to justify, you know, I, I mean, you find meat on there for like eight bucks, nine bucks. And I was surprised by that. I thought that the, the cheapest stuff you'd find would be like 15, 20 bucks. And to be totally honest here, we, we got like our, our working here discount code. I didn't even like open that website for a few days because I was like, there's there's no way that I can justify it. And then I looked and I was like, oh, this is so many great meats. And and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm loading up. Uh, there are so many awesome options like the Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, um, their hamburger, one food networks, Northeast Burger Jam. It's great stuff. There's all sorts of awards. Um, half the NFL gets their beef from these guys because it's just a very good, convenient way to get good meat. Um, head to hasslecattlecompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. And use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DMVR10 for 10% off. It's a great deal. Get over to HassleCattleCompany.com and take advantage of that. Also, for pigskin fans, the moment you have been waiting for all season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their can't-miss golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. 
All you have to do to get your share of those huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. So download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Like I said, download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code DMVR to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing, so use promo code DMVR and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Blame game. Um, I'll start it off because I have a bit of a theory here. So, I've had, like a lot of people in this state, a pretty rough 24 hours. Um, you know, the things started heating up with a potential Nolan Arenado trade, and then the trade went through. And all of us coped differently. For me, personally, I decided to watch the X Games, pretend it wasn't happening, um, and just totally stay off the internet. Don't even like look at what's being on. Pretend it's not a thing. Um, and then this morning I woke up and we had the DMVR Madden League draft. And so I was busy from 8 a.m. until the start of this game. Like I had 30 minutes to spare. And so again, just was not even thinking about the Nolan Arenado trade. Here's where this gets bus related. Turned on that basketball game that was terrible to watch and heard the voice of Drew Goodman. Nothing against Drew Goodman, but when I hear that man's voice, I think about the Rockies, just like anybody else would, because he is the voice of the Rockies. And so for the, for two hours, I'm sitting there, and every, I don't even know, I mean, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, Drew Goodman's voice just sparks Rockies thoughts, and I'm off thinking about Nolan Arenado. And it did not put me in a good place. And I wonder, for some of the in-state basketball players that Tad loves, 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 loves to recruit, were they maybe a little bit torn up over the Arenado thing too? And they were looking over and seeing Drew Goodman sitting there and just being like, oh, this is, this is not supposed to be entering this other world of sports. Um, maybe a little far-fetched, but can we blame Drew Goodman for this, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if we're looking for anybody and everybody, you got to start there, I guess. You know, I think it's yeah. a half-baked theory, but I, I think the important thing when playing the blame game is if there's no evidence to to prove it wrong, then I guess it stands. So, you know, the, the Nolan Arenado, I mean, I guess, I guess that works. I, I think, you know, it, it's tough for me to try and pick who I want to blame this loss on, who I, who I would say is responsible for this loss, because – it was an entire team collapse. And I think if you look at the box score and you see McKinley Wright 5 of 14 from the floor, I think that jumps out. You know, he needs to be shooting the ball better. He needs to be converting on some of those plays. So in that regard, I think he is to blame some. You know, I think – and again, this is something that I don't want to say, but, you know, I think the referees should have called a little bit more of an even game. The fact that Colorado only got to the free throw line six times is, is ludicrous. And but it's not just the free throw shooting for me on that one. McKinley Wright and Eli Parquet both picked up some big time personal fouls. Eli Parquet was not in for 
some big time stretches during that run that Utah went on because of these foul trouble. And one of them that that jumps out to me in particular was uh, I don't know who was on YouTube uh, on Utah. They jumped the passing lane and, and the ball kind of went up. And Eli Parquet and another Utah player both kind of jumped towards the sideline to get the ball. And the Utah player hit it out of bounds, and there was a slight pause, and then tweet, tweet, foul, 24, Colorado. And I'm just like, interesting. And, again, I'm not going to blame the referees, but what I'm saying is is the foul trouble, like, in that instance, that really hurt because Eli Parquet, I think, is this team's best, you know, defender around the perimeter, and he has great mobility to be able to take um, – to be able to take uh, Alfonso Plummer into the inside when he drives in. So I think that that really hurt too. But just on the whole, I mean, this was just a, a colossal loss. And I, I guess you kind of start with Tad Boyle then and work your way down because I, I don't know. I don't know if you have anybody else in mind, but for me, it's tough to peg one person. Yeah, that's what makes this game so difficult today. You know, when I tweeted out, I think there's probably 10 minutes left in the game. At that point, only Neat Clifford had gotten into the game and didn't have between five and ten points. Everybody was just like, it was such a great team effort. So many guys contributing, just doing their piece. I think at that point, Horn, Parquet, and Kin were all two of three from three. And Deshaun was three of four from three. Everything was just going really well. And even if you look at the numbers still, just broadly, you would expect the Buffs to have won that game. 46% of their threes they made, um, only 10 turnovers. That's a solid number. Held the other team to five offensive rebounds. There's a lot to like about this stat sheet, including, I mean, how many of these guys? One, two, three, four, five, six, se seven. Seven guys, if they were to make their next shot, would have shot 50% or better from the field. And more than half those guys already were there. Like there was so much to like. And I think because of that, I'm going to go with Kin. I think that that's just the way this team works is Kin is in charge. And, and what they do a lot of the time is kind of Kin's call. You know, you think back to those last couple of possessions Kin took that three and hit it. A lot of guys on this team, I mean, nobody else on this team probably would have been allowed to take that shot. Yeah. You know, you're probably looking for something better. But because it's Kin, you say, okay, you're our senior point guard. You know your basketball. We're trusting you to do this. Ride or die, whatever happens, it's it's what Kin says. And, and he made the right call because he made that one. He missed the other one. And again, it was a quick three. And if that's a judgment call, and and I trust Kin's judgment. You know, I think that the it, Tad Boyle makes the right decision by saying, "Kin, balls in your hands. You're my point guard. Go go do your thing." But I think that also when you see how things play out, like this game, you have to be looking to the guy who is the centerpiece of your team, the guy who does run everything, and say, "The blame has to fall somewhere." And when you look around, there aren't a lot of people who deserve a whole lot of blame at least like in terms of efficiency and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Tad Boyle, of course, is another one. And I think between him and Ken, you could put Ken's foul trouble and not playing as much as they need him to play. You know, it's kind of crazy to say, like, if, if you're not out there for 37 minutes, 36 minutes, then you're doing your team a disservice and we're, we're counting that against you. Again, those are the standards that we have to hold Ken to. And the reason that, 
the buffs didn't win, or at least a part of it is because Ken didn't play up to his standards, which again are higher than almost anybody else in the country. There's a handful of guys with higher standards anywhere. Yep. I mean, he, he hit 25 minutes. That's not a recipe for this team to win. And no. um, I, I didn't realize it, but Eli Parquet, five personal fouls, unacceptable combination of his play. And of course you're going to get some bad breaks, whistle some nights, but you just got to play better than that. I've got one other name, which I think is going to upset uh, maybe not you, but it, 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 it's not common. I'm going to say Keyshawn Bartholomew, and that is because he played – look, he played very well. Uh, and, and, look, Keyshawn Bartholomew is not the reason why the, they lost. But if I'm looking for other guys who did not play up to their standards, Keyshawn Bartholomew played very well as a distributor. The problem is, is his shot selection is still so poor. He hit that one deep three, and I was I shocked. Again, because, again, he he hit oh, one yeah. in the last game too. And that if if that's if that's his spot, just two three steps back, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But he is just very wild when he drives into the lane. His body is kind of flailing all over the place. He doesn't really set and square up his shoulders, and that's an area where offensively, you know, from that production side of things, that that's not great. But yeah, I mean, Dallas Walton in limited minutes played fantastic. Uh, Maddox Daniels, nine points, five rebounds. Yeah, look, I know he airballed a three, but he shot three of five from deep. So you are going to take an airball if that means that, you know, he's still going to shoot 60% from deep because that's just a great clip for a good shooter. I mean, Jabari Walker only playing, you know, 15 minutes. Again, that's one of those where maybe you try and get him on the floor a little bit more, but I I don't know. There's not – look, I – I've been around basketball a while. I've played. I've helped coach. There's not a lot of decisions where I can look and say, if I'm Tad Boyle, I should have done this differently. I would have gone with a different rotation. And and I say that a lot about some of these lineups that he puts out there. I, I'm not I'm not afraid to be critical of those rotations tonight. It's just it's one of those things where it was just a complete and total team failure. I don't know who they could have put out there. That would have changed it. You know, would putting giving Alexander Strotting some minutes would that have changed the defensive energy? Maybe, but I don't think anybody would have the stones to make that kind of a decision <laughs> yeah. uh, because that would just be a little too bold for I think anybody. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just the word I just keep saying is oof, <laughs> oof. This was yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick down, Keyshawn. You know, two of eight from the field, one of four from three, one of four from two. The two shots that he made, boy, did I love those. Those were just beautiful, both of them. And you see it, and you're like, wow, that is a bucket right there. To to put that in, if that's what we're going to see for the next few years, I am so, so, so excited. Like you said, outside of those two shots, uh, it, it, it was Keyshawn Bartholomew. Like, you know, we it's not like this is the first time we've seen him play. He's had trouble scoring at this level and he's found a couple of ways. He's forced defenses to extend out on him now at the very least because he's hitting some deep threes. He, you know, it's going to be a process. And I'm not sure that I totally appreciated that coming into this season, just how much of a process it would be for Keyshawn Bartholomew. But you know what? That's where we are. And I've seen signs of improvement because there are plenty of games where neither of those two shots would have gone in either. Mm-hmm. Um, you need more out of him to, to, to really compete more in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, I would add Dallas Walton is who I would have liked to see more of. Um, he, he, he is just an interesting player for a whole lot of reasons. I mean, you can look at the fact that 
he he hasn't played 20 minutes yet this season in a game. You can look at the fact that he has probably finished more games shooting 100% with two or fewer shots than maybe any basketball player ever because you just throw more up when they're going in, but he seems to find a way to finish one of one or two of two. And you're like, well, why don't, why don't you let him get the ball more and, and do more things because he's seven foot tall and he's right next to the basket and it's working. Um, but tonight, you know, he's four of four. Surprises me he doesn't get a rebound. Let's not dig too deep into that. When you needed a bucket, I, I think that a little more of Dallas Walton down the stretch, just because he is such a, a tough offensive mismatch, um, would have been a change I would have been interested in seeing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think he would have, I think, given you some more opportunities to maybe draw some fouls because uh, you know, just on some turnaround jumpers, maybe you get a guy on those hook shots that come up and get you a little too rough. I, I do think that, you know, with that theory, it's so hard for guys like Dallas Walton to get fouls because, I mean, you know, they're so much bigger that refs are going to let them get, you know, they're going to let defenders get away with more because they have the size advantage. But I do think, you know, that that might've been nice because also Dallas Walton is a fantastic free throw shooter. So trying to drum up some plays for him, I agree would have maybe, helped break up the offensive log jam because for Dallas Walton, he's a guy that you throw it to him in the post and it's pretty simple. He's going to make a, you know, a couple dribble back down and he'll turn around and, and hit a hook shot with his left or right. And it's a very simple offense, you know, and simple is good when you are in a rut. And so when you're down points and you need to start getting some quick scoring possessions, I think that I, I agree that would have been just a, a nice, maybe change of pace to try and, gives some juice to this offense because also who knows, maybe you get Dallas Walton wide open cutting to the rim. If he gets a nice hard flush, that's a big momentum play, you know, get him to rock the rim a little bit and that'll get the bench up and jumping and, and try and get their energy back into it. They, they just lost it, you know, it, and McKinley Wright had those two technical free throws uh, because they teed up Utah's coach with what, eight fifty left in the game that put them up 19 and, the rest was history. I mean, that was a eight minute and 50 second blowout that was worse than the Oregon state one last year. You know, when, when Oregon, state, Oregon state started pressing and then it was like Colorado just did not know what to do, you know? And, and so now this year, this is that game. So it's it just, it is what it is. If you're Tad Boyle, I, I think that this is not one of those games where you burn the tape you know, for lack of a better term. I, I think RK likes to talk about that a little bit about games where it's like, it's gutty. You just don't even want to look at the tape. Like, like he points to he's Drew Locke in the tape. city of the snow, you know, just don't worry about it. Cause it doesn't matter. This is not one of those games for me. I, I put this on, on repeat because I want them to see, I want my team to see this implosion and I want them to see what went wrong. And, and I want them to not want to feel this way again, because rewatching that game, just even thinking about it makes me uncomfortable. If I'm McKinley, right. And I walk in on Monday morning for film session and coach says, hey, we are going to rewatch this game three times. I'm uncomfortable. I'm squirming in my seat. And that's what I want because I don't want these guys to want to have that feeling anymore. And maybe that's a way to get them going. And I remember being up in Boulder talking to Tad Boyle during that stretch in March last year and, and the players too. And basically like first you hear from the players and the players say we had a brutal film session. It was awful. 
we just sat there. It was it was a terrible two hour film session. And then you talk to Tad, and Tad's like, "That was no fun. It had to happen. It was no fun." And that is where the buffs are at now after a loss like this you'd have to think and um it won't be fun but it's something that has to be done um yeah I and mean, you brought up 850 it was 846 they uh were up 19 with 846 left gave up a 31 9 run if anybody wants to do that math that means they're giving up over three and a half points per minute and uh also just over scoring one point per minute so not pretty for success. It's, it's just awful. It's just awful. Like I, I'm kind of out of out of stuff to say. Any final thoughts, Ben? Before we get out of here, pain. That's about it. Just yeah. You know, I I I feel for Buffs fans right now out there. You know, again, I, I said it in the intro. I, I normally like to be like to just try, try and stay as positive, silver lining as possible, but. This is after the type of game where I'm just going to stay out of Twitter off my mentions because I mean I, I've got nothing to I've got nothing to combat it. It's a bad loss. I don't have any excuses that's going to make up for it. You know, try try not to sulk too bad because it is still January 30th. There is opportunities for this team. I guess that'll be my my positive hope. This season is not over. Far from it. And college basketball is all about day to day. You know how they rebound and how they play against the Arizona schools this week is is really going to show what their mental fortitude is. I think get, having a guy like Jariah Horn on this roster is going to be big. A guy who's been with three schools. He's seen probably every situation known to man. So with him and McKinley Wright as your your big-time leaders, along with you know Evan Batty and, what, and whatnot, just bounce back, get to work, and try and move past this. Because if they even lose just like if, – if, if they lose again against Arizona State – there is no stopping everyone to say, same as last year, same as last year. And at mm-hmm. that point, you know, players are on social. They check these hashtags. They go through these mentions. And that is going to start to build in their head. They're going to lose more confidence. So the next game, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. This is the most important point in McKinley Wright's career as a Colorado Buffalo. Yeah, and I agree. Um, like you said, not over yet. They've got three games in five days at the event center coming up this weekend. That's Thursday, Saturday, Monday. You win all three. You come out of this homestand three and one, just like we probably anticipated coming into this. I think maybe there was some optimism that four and zero was on the table. And what matters is the wins and losses. And to be totally honest, if, if your choices are give a win to, well, I guess Arizona's not in it. I guess you want to be giving that win to Arizona at this point. But I mean, giving that win to a bad team is better than giving it to a good team. And I'd rather see a team beat good teams and lose to bad teams than the other way around. Sure. It'd be nice to win them all though. And a win today was certainly on the table and the buff found a way to take that off the table, which is just astounding. Like I I honestly think that nine times out of 10, you throw me on the court, one of those five spots, we hold on to that 19 point lead for the last 846. It's going to be ugly. They're going to need to help off of everybody else, you know, but, but you're going to find a way to do it. Um, looked awful. It, it was awful, but win three in a row now, and then we can talk again. Um, we will be doing this again next Saturday after that Arizona game. So stay tuned for that. Um, also stay tuned to the DMVR Buffs podcast until then. And uh, for you listeners out there, I will see you guys Monday morning.